right, everyone. Welcome to episode 13 of Beards, Business, and Balls presented by Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Download the free Anchor app to get started or go to anchor.fm to start creating your podcast for free. Monday, July 13th, episode 13 of Beards, Business, and Balls. I'm Jake Zimmer, and after a long, long stint in the IL, we have the voice of Will Tondo back with us here today. We have the spirit of Will Tondo for the last few episodes. Will, you lived off ice cream and broth for two weeks. Are you ready to rock and roll? We're back and better than ever. <laughs> it was a shitty recovery. It was long. It hurt a lot, but we are back. And I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. I'm finally sleeping. I'm not in throat pain. I'm eating solid foods and I'm enjoying craft beer. We're back. You can speak too. I, I mean, your, your voice sounds, you have a little bit more of the... You get those deep tones, those deep podcasting tones. It's wonderful. Well, I, I think it's also a combination of the weekend we had. Um, I definitely overdid it. <laughs> definitely <laughs> I think it, it was two straight weekends in a row for you, too. So yeah. we haven't been with you guys for, I think it's been two weeks, maybe two and a half. Um, we took last week off because that was big-time recovery mode. You and I were both living it up on Long Island, uh, you know, had too much to drink, ate too much. And here you are eating solid foods like you've done it all your life. And, you know, I'm not going to say this weekend was any better. We went out to eat three times. We <laughs> drank all weekend uh, up in Providence. But, I mean, it, it was overall, the past two weeks have been pretty good after uh, you were able to recover, I guess. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's getting better for sure. No, without a doubt. I mean, again, I feel a lot better. Um, Still got to take it still a little bit easy, but we're getting into the swing of things. Yeah. And, and like I said, folks, you know, we were uh, over the past couple of weeks together for quite a bit for honestly the first time since we've created this podcast. So that's pretty cool. Um, got a lot of stuff done, did a lot of shit. Um, but it, it's life is moving forward uh, in the right direction. No guests today. Uh, this will just be however long we go. Uh, of beers, business, and balls. Real simple. We, we don't really have too much else for um, uh, on the docket this week. So without further ado, let's get the cheers going. Your first one that is not pastina or broth or talenti gelato in a couple of weeks. So the honor is all yours, my friend. Yes, and this was a first good beer to drink. When we were together, we probably had at least 10 craft beers of my first drinking which was i think just, it was at least yeah eight or nine which right. still is just disgusting yeah so but we're bringing it back to greenport uh this one's actually a really cool beer it's called strong it's a 7.2 percent ipa that has amarillo citra simcoe and mosaic hops and it's pretty much their beer that they created to salute the frontline workers so all the proceeds went to a face shield project initiative that they had with their business, uh, their brewery and other local businesses. So they created over 8,000 face masks to the local community um, and mostly the frontline workers. And the beer itself was dedicated to frontline workers on the North Fork as well. So it was an awesome beer to purchase not only for the story and to support local businesses and support the frontline workers, but it was a pretty damn good beer as well. Um, a nice, strong IPA. A lot of great flavors, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I'm giving it a 4.25, and yeah, I mean, Greenport does it again. It was another great beer that I really enjoyed. Greenport's now at that level where, and we were out there 
last week, literally, out on Long Island. And before I got on the ferry, I made you bring me to Greenport to get merch. That's the level that Greenport's at now. And God damn it, I didn't prepare. I would have brought the hat out. That it I was a really nice, yeah, it was a really nice hat. <laughs> That's the nicest hat that I own. I fucking love that hat. <laughs> I'm gassing up Greenport right now, but I mean, it is what it is. Their, their beer's great. I think the vibe's even better than their beer, to be honest with you. Um, great summer place to go. Uh, Greenport Harbor Brewing Company, folks. Is that in South Hold? Like the town of South Hold, or is that their original location was actually in Greenport? It was in yeah. a, uh, it was in the old um, abandoned prison, like kind of like not like a not like a prison prison, but like you know, in like old colonial towns, they had like that one yeah. little um, kind of looks like an apartment where they had like an old jail cell. Well, they renovated that to their original tasting room. And then their second location, which is the one we go to all the time, yeah, their main yep. tasting room now, and that's where they brew, is in uh, Peconic. Yeah, Peconic, yep. Cool. Go check them out in Peconic, right on the main strip um, in the North Fork of Long Island. I've got another Long Island beer, too. I did not drink this this week. I drank it last Sunday uh, at the Southhold Fish Market in Southhold. I had the Shelter Island 114 or 114 IPA, I guess you'll call it. Pretty cool because for those of you that know the area, Route 114 is the road, I believe, that takes you into Shelter Island um, from the mainland uh, in, you know, in the North Fork. I'm, I'm probably getting laughed at by all these uh, North Forkers, you know? I don't it's fucking a, know. It's I, I have, I'm like 80%, right? No, yeah. I'm probably you're, using the wrong terminology. I don't fucking you're, know. You're almost there. <laughs> Shelter Island 114. Um, they brewed it for 114 minutes too, very similar to like the dogfish 120s and the 60s and all that stuff. Um, finally fits my taste for the summer because, like I said, I've been doing myself a disservice and doing you all a disservice because here I am, like, I love hazy IPAs. And I really haven't drank a single one yet besides uh, the ice cream man from back east the last time uh, we were together. Um, I liked this a lot. I really did. Very, very hazy, uh, delicious flavor for sure. Uh, it was like a tea-like beer almost because I did a little research and they throw a little bit of local Shelter Island herbs on the bottom, which I don't know what the hell you guys are picking off of Shelter Island, but they throw, I guess, the harvestable ones right on the bottom. They brew it in, tasted really good. It felt very floral, almost like if you're drinking a New Hampshire craft beer. Uh, that's getting a 425 for me too. So there it is. Shelter Island 114 IPA gets a 425 ahead and a can too. Might be better on draft, but probably better on draft. That's actually one brewery that I've always wanted to go to, but I have not made. And like Shelter Island isn't far. I just have not making the trip to Shelter Island for the brewery, but I've had a couple of their other beers before and um, I enjoy them. I mean, it's definitely one that's on my list. So, I mean, after trying the 114, I was definitely like, okay, this summer I will make it a point to head over there. I might be there with you, man. Um, that's beers. We've got some cool stuff that we're brewing up. We just brewed a craft seltzer the other day. You talk about seltzer Sundays. Um, really interesting process because you you make it like a regular home brew. You, uh, it was really funny the packet that they gave us. We we just kept laughing about it. Really, we paid what eighteen or nineteen bucks on Northern Brewer for a pack of White Claw Lime Cone or Clone, pretty much. And all they shipped us was four pound bags of sugar and that's it it was kind of disgusting it was just it three was gallons of, gross, of water yeah, yeah it was it was when we saw like the four pounds of sugar and we're doing the math we're like this just does not make sense i mean this is 
We're like, we're either going to get 60 cans of this shit or our people that are drinking are going to die. <clears throat> so I, I hope that it's good. I mean, it, it's, we brewed it for 10 minutes, cooled it down like we usually do, threw in the carboy, pitched the yeast, and it gets a couple of energizers every now and then. I mean, it looks okay. It looks like it's bubbling. I, I guess that's it. So we're going to be dishing that out. Yeah, <laughs> and I really hope it doesn't kill anyone. I mean, we're also, we have brewing right now our German alt beer, Control Alt Delete. That's the fourth beer in the inventory. <laughs> and uh, so that'll be bottled up. And then we're brewing up the OG Kush. Yeah. OG Kush, not what it sounds like, folks. OG Kush is a hop. Hold your horses. Um, <laughs> unless we start brewing with like THC or CBD, which I'm sure is illegal for us, but whatever. Uh, we're not an entity yet. So whatever. Um, yeah, good stuff coming up from us in the beer world. Shoot us a message if you want us to send us or send you some beer when it's ready or some seltzer. You know, I'm <laughs> you might be paying the shipping, but I, I'm here for it. We'll make Anyone it that work. wants, yeah, we'll make it work. Anyone that wants our shit can get it. We'll put it that way. <laughs> um, let's go to business now. Section two of the podcast. <laughs> There's so many weird things going on in, in just the entire world right now. And I did not think that our first topic today would even be close to one of them in 2020. Back in 2014, some guy thinks it's hilarious to start a cryptocurrency called Dogecoin, named after the Doge meme. I guess it's called the Doge meme, right? I, I don't know. Um, this guy made it because that was when crypto was booming and Bitcoin was coming up and on Ethereum, uh, all this stuff. And Dogecoin all of a sudden resurfaces like two weeks ago because a TikTok goes viral telling people to buy Dogecoin. What the fuck's going on in this world? What, why are we buying currency that's named after a meme? I, am I missing something? And I mean, you know, it's stupid. I, I bought it. Well, obviously, this is not something that I endorse or I even fully support. I had a couple extra dollars laying around in the account, and I said, you know what? I mean, let's just see what this is. And at one point, I had like a $20 profit, and it made, and I sold out because I was like, I just made 20. I put in 20 and I made 20. I'm like, okay, um, sure. <laughs> like, I was so confused, but. It's literally just when they talk about like, oh, um, you know, investing is becoming a joke and all of these retail bros on Robin Hood. Um, this was the definition of it. This was yep. the definition of it that literally a bunch of TikTokers were pushing Dogecoin like it was Bitcoin <sighs> and actually making money off it. I don't get it. I, I don't get it. It's the, here's the thing. Crypto has this weird, and I, I feel like I say this every time we talk about stocks. Like, I'm not a financial advisor. I don't know this for a career. I don't, you know, this, this isn't the opinion of my company or anything like that. Um, when Bitcoin came out and Ethereum came out, you saw those people mining it for a living pretty much. And it was so volatile. That's the only thing. You know, people were would buy it at five grand. And then remember that week back in like 2016 or 17 that Bitcoin just shot up and the people that were invested like doubled and tripled their money and actually even quadrupled it because it hit like 20 
thousand as a 52 week high or something. And then settles back in. You, no one's really been talking about Bitcoin over the past couple of years, just because it's leveled out. It's they're calling it a stable coin in the crypto world. But I mean, is, is this here to stay is the real question. It's Dogecoin, a crypto named after a meme going to stick around long enough for people to actually legitimize it and become a stable coin, if you will. Dogecoin, no, but cryptocurrency, I mean, just with all the things going on with Corona, like people want to go cashless. And obviously yeah. you still have, you know, your bank accounts and your credit cards and stuff, but people want to go cashless, but don't want to get their every move tracked by the government. And I think cryptocurrencies, I mean, who knows what the world's going to look like in five, 10 years, but it's not something that's going to go away. I mean, the well, funny part is not, yeah. The funny part about Bitcoin was, you know, back 10 years ago, people would buy fake IDs with, yeah. with, with, uh, um, it was either Bitcoin or like a Western Union yeah. transfer. Yeah. Which was equally as sketchy, if not worse. Like one of my friends, I remember it wasn't with fake IDs. It was something on Xbox. Like, oh, you can buy like this golden VCs skin for yeah, 2K. <laughs> you know, this golden skin for MW2. And like, Jesus. he had like, he got paid like 100 Bitcoin for it. He's like, what the fuck is this? And like 100 Bitcoin when it like shot up, yeah. like he like lost the account or something. But he's like, I really fucked up. He's like 100 Bitcoin would have been like hundreds of thousands of dollars when it oh shot God, up. Yeah. Yep. And it's just he could so have been a millionaire funny. at that point yeah. if he had hundred Bitcoin. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it, so crazy. yeah, crypto's not going around. I think the the question about or crypto's not going away, I should say. But the question about Dogecoin now, because it started at like a fraction of a cent, like we're talking an eighth or ninth of a cent, which is piss low, obviously. But now people are seeing that as a potential to could it creep up to a buck? I mean, holy shit, if it creeps up to a buck, I I think there's no need for any of us to go back to work, you or I, if it goes up to a dollar. Um, wow. My pick is that I think that it's going to stick around long enough for people like Coinbase to list it. I know obviously Robinhood's listed it already, but Coinbase is, you know, where it becomes legit, right? Exactly. So if Coinbase lists it, it's going to be so volatile for a few years. This is my prediction. And then it's going to settle down a tiny bit. I don't think it has anywhere near the potential that Bitcoin had and Ethereum had, um, all that. And you make a really good point about the cashless stuff because there were, uh, even a couple of years ago, you could go to places in the Czech Republic and uh, Eastern Europe and some places in Scandinavia too and go and pay for your drink or you know a coffee that you get at a cafe with Bitcoin. So maybe if this expands, I mean, people would be like, yeah, I'll give you whatever, like 900 Dogecoin for my fucking coffee. My God, do we want to live to see that day? I don't no. know. <laughs> no, cash uh, me out. Yeah, I'll, I'll, for sure. Well, let's um, talk about real stocks. Right, that's, I was just going to say it. You had a big winner this week and we'll talk about two big winners. Um, Peloton was on your list and they had a pretty good week. Um, for a few different things. So why don't you run us through what you think were the couple of things that worked for Peloton this week? Well, to start off, I bought Peloton, just double checking my numbers. I bought Peloton back in late April when it was at $29.30. You had gassed it up too. That, that's on previous episodes. Peloton was always in a buy mode. Yes. Yeah, so I, I bought a fair share amount and I'm starting to transition some of my stocks 
just start cashing out because I'm just afraid of the market with politics and everything. And I'm afraid we're going to have another crash, which yeah. we'll save for another episode. Yeah. And it comes close to the time, but Peloton hit close to $69. And that's when I was like, you know what? I had another big win. I'm going to cash out on this one. And that can be for a few reasons. I mean, you know, the data is coming out that less people are renewing their gym membership, especially with, you know, everything going on in New York state gyms aren't even opening up or in phase four. Meanwhile, other states in the country are still open. So these people need to have their workout formats and they're going to be willing to spend the money to do it at home. So Peloton obviously has has their very expensive bike, but they also have a catalog of workouts that aren't translate, like aren't uh, parallel with the bike. So they have like a whole yoga setup. They have cardio workouts they have hit workouts they have all these different things that you can purchase with it and that's through the app and it's a very i don't know how much it exactly is but it's a lower it's like 12 or 13 bucks exactly so and the the bike is like 24 or something i again i'm not rich enough for that so no and peloton's also working to create a more economy friendly bike because they just saw how much people are willing to spend on their stuff and they want to help obviously like the middle class with purchasing this so they're doing really well um originally like peloton was listed to like you know not peak anywhere higher than 62 dollars a share and now we're close to 70. Right. um so they're doing a lot of great things they were a big winner um, but another big winner transitioning to another company which you listed on your side was tesla <laughs> and yeah. i mean every time i see the stock and I wish I had the capital back then to, you know, buy when it hit like eight, 900, I keep looking at it. And I'm like, Oh, it's at a thousand. It's not going to go that much higher next day. Oh. That's what everybody said. It was like, yeah, Tesla goes, <laughs> Tesla goes to nine sixty, Then Elon Musk tweets. Yeah. In my opinion, Tesla stock is way too high. And then it dips down and who the fuck it goes down to like 800 bucks. And it closed on Friday at 1544. 1544 if you had invested at 900 bucks double your money is that nuts crazy and he tweeted recently and he was saying like oh someone like added like uh, mentioned him saying like oh uh, like you mentioned saying like oh you know the stock keeps going up and up and he's like yeah you know the plan is to be like um to reinvest in the company in like 10 to 15 years so like we can like revolutionize like solar um right. solar yeah. technology and like efficient energy and everything and it's like this stock is probably going to hit 2000 by quarter three end of quarter three, I, yeah early quarter it, four. but who knows it could get there tomorrow it could <laughs> they've got um things to look out for tesla and i think the reason why they did this week uh was so well um they had a 10 percent overall return um you know in the five-day period because we've heard a lot of news about the electric vehicle market um and all these stocks tie into each other, right? We've talked about uh, Nikola Corp. We've talked about um, some of the shell companies that are going to acquire um, others. I, I, for, I even forget they're just so lost. I think um, Ideonomics is in that market. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, Tortoise is going to plan on acquiring someone. It'll probably be in the EV market, actually. Um, everyone now is talking about ways to electrify and and automate things you know and make most of your energy and whatnot and this week it's hitting legislative floors um 
so that's one big reason, but the other one is that they're going to have their shareholder presentation. They're going to do battery day. Uh, Elon announced that he's going to have the shareholders into the Tesla factory as opposed to doing it over Zoom, which, or, or WebEx or whatever they're going to use. So there's way more investor confidence now in Tesla. Um, and, and literally just because uh, of all these things happening around it, right? It's, it, it could be this week that it hits. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you told me at the end of this week, it'd be $1,800. I really wouldn't. At this point, you could still make money off it, but th there's a nasty downside because if you're like, yeah, you know, I could, it's going to get up to three grand and then yeah, it goes back down to 500 bucks tomorrow, you're fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Tesla's nuts. I, I don't know. Um, stock of the week, something to keep your eyes on. You listed OCFT and I could not find anything anywhere on the internet. So, so I need you to tell me. Yes. It's one connect financial technology. Uh, like you mentioned, trading at OCFT. Um, they are around $26 a share. They moved, uh, 13% over the weekend. So it's something that caught my eye and 83% of the analysts are saying to buy. So what they are is they're a company that engages in providing cloud, uh, native technology solutions to financial institutes, mainly in Asia. Um, it was a company that was formed in 2015 and it was something that, I don't know why it became a top mover, but people are really pushing in a lot of money. Um, the average volume of people investing it came over 650,000 this weekend. Um, so I don't know. Um, I need to do more research on it. I'm definitely not jumping right in, but seeing that it grew in the past week, 30%, in the past month, 70%. In the past three months, 182%. Yeah, so I, I mean, they that's keep something, growing, and right. I have to do more research, but it caught my eye. Yeah, I, I mean, that's again, something to just keep your eyes on at this point because with all these fintech companies and stuff coming out, it's like fintech and shell companies are ruling the market in terms of the lower price stocks right now. So this will be interesting to follow. Um, more thing for business. Mm -hmm. um, it was funny when we were talking this weekend. Uh, we were talking about just shooting the shit, talking about stocks. And one stock that came to mind was Wayfair. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And <laughs> how could we forget? It was funny that, you know, we're talking about how much they grew. I mean, you said that it started at what, like $40, $50, and now it's like over 200 It hit a low of 20 Yeah. Low of 20 Nope. And, you know, we're looking into it. That's funny. Well, later that day, it came out of the conspiracy theory that's going around Twitter. And it talks about Wayfair, for those of you who don't know, is that they're pretty much the middleman for shipping furniture. They have all types of furniture and stuff that you can use for your home and your office, and they're just the provider to help sell it. And there was something that went on the internet this weekend saying that there was these very expensive cabinets, these industrial cabinets that were ranging from anywhere from ten to $15,000. And they were named after girls, female names. And what Wayfair does is they name a lot of their furniture with um, named after their employees. Well, it turns out that someone tried to connect the dots saying that the names of the cabinets were named after missing children. So they, that's when the dots started to get connected and conspiracy theorists were running around and we really need to talk to Connor about this. Um, 
but supposedly that they believe that Wayfair was in the mix of a child trafficking scheme that they were people would purchase these cabinets with children in them because they were so expensive and then they were just being the middleman for child trafficking I have no comment I have no idea um I haven't heard Wayfair make an official statement yet. They haven't. Yeah, they have not (laughs) spoke about it. Which is weird. If like it blew up this much on Twitter and it was getting on mainstream media, um, I don't know. I feel like no matter how nice the weekend is, that's something you kind of get get in front of and say, "Hey, we're not doing that. (laughs) We have proof." Right. I Um, mean, would the crazy part is. Is there any evidence that they can provide that, like, are you good? <laughs> we'll cut <Jeez>. that out. <laughs> are you? <laughs> I hope so. Um, like, at this point, is there even any, like, exonerating evidence that Wayfair can say, yeah, or this is, this specific evidence will prove that we didn't do this? Well, I mean, I, can I can't least, say that they did that. They can at least say that, hey. Oh, yeah. I mean, you connected the dots with the names, but we name it after employees and here are those employees. If it was, yeah, that, that's easy. I mean, if you can get like one or two um, instances taken care of and say, you know, here, here's the, here are the employees that we named them after, then that's great. Um, if you can't get any more than that, though, if you can't get like, unquestionable proof that they uh i guess were named after employees then this is a very bad situation for wayfair this is very bad because even if they can't cough it up and you know were they involved in a a, a ring to traffic children across the world my gut tells me no and i would would, not that's no right i mean none of us are qualified to say like oh no yeah that's a sex trafficking scheme like that we can't do that we're not at, at that level but as a company, you would hope that they're not doing that, of course, like any rational human being would say. Um, why the hell haven't they made a statement? You're exactly right. It's been three days. It's uh, so, a little sketchy. It's yeah. a little sketchy. Oh, yeah. So keep your eyes on Wayfair stock, folks. Uh, <laughs> well, that's the thing. If it, if it falls and then obviously it gets debunked, I hope it falls and then I can hop back in and then watch it grow. Right. I, I, I guess. <laughs> or does it get worse from here? Does it get worse if they can't cough up any evidence to say this is what was in those specific packages, then it, it does Wayfair, or are they fucked? Do they ever go back to business as usual? Because my gut there also tells me no. Well, I don't want to think about it. It's horrible. It's so horrible to even imagine. And, you know, it's a big stretch for sure. Um, nothing surprises me about 2020 at this point. No. Because Wayfair, we had just been talking about it, like you said. Weird chart. You look at any chart of 52 weeks of a company, Wayfair's got to be at the top of that list for just absolute mayhem. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) now it might have to buckle up a little bit more. Um, After hours, I mean, didn't really do too much to my knowledge. Uh, I didn't see too much activity on Robinhood, but... um, this is going to be a wild one, but we'll be watching this. This is not the last you've heard of Wayfair on Beer's Business and Balls. No, 
Not at all. Try to get some inside intel for you folks. <laughs> Wayfair, uh, also a big employee of, or big employer, I should say, of our, people in our area, you know, like uh, across the uh, New England region. So this would really screw over the Boston economy and the Rhode Island economy and really anywhere across the New England seaboard for sure. So big time. They laid off a bunch of people beforehand. Remember that? And their stock price was pretty much in the shitter, but then they came back like it was nothing. So they're going to play the whole adversity card. And they're going to say, yeah, you know, we've, we've been through tough times and we're going to get through this one. But um, I don't know if this is a reputational blow to them. I mean, it is a reputational blow to them, but it, We'll have to see. All right, so now on to balls. A couple of things for you. Um, first off, the NBA bubble, as everyone is affectionately referring to on Twitter. Everyone came to Orlando to go play basketball. We finally have pro basketball, or at least the plan for pro basketball to be played later this year. Um, Pretty much every NBA team except the godforsaken New York Knicks and a few others will be playing uh, in an extended playoff tournament pretty much. Um, the condition, as we've mentioned, and as you probably see on social media as well, is that all of the players will have to do some sort of proxy quarantine. You know, their interaction with other teammates is limited. Their interaction with other teams is limited too. And I want to know, so bubble life in Orlando, they're staying at these beautiful resorts. They've got their gaming setups. They've got their Gucci shit that they walked into the hotels with. And I, is this a facade? Like there's gotta be more going on. There, what I'm trying to say is that those rules are no shot being followed in there, but peasants like us won't know. I mean, there's no way you're telling LeBron James what to do. In, just, in any context. You're just not. And I found it so funny when they were – it was like Rajon Rondo posted a picture of the hotel. He's like, yo, this is Motel 6. It's a nice Disney resort that people, like common people, pay hundreds of dollars a night to stay at. And, like, I get it. the you fucking know, yacht club or the swan or something? Like, like, like the Grand Floridian, all of these. Oh. And it's like – I get it. Like they're used to their multi-million dollar mansions and staying in, you know, wicked nice hotels while they're on the road, but for the circumstances, for fuck's sake, like, and I get it. I mean, they have to leave their families and they have to leave their regular lifestyles, but you could have opted out. If you really didn't want to be there, you could have opted out. Yeah. And I guess I'm in no, and you and I are in no position to tell these people what to do because we're not NBA stars or their doctors or their family members. But I mean, if you're going to go and bitch about it, then just stay home. <laughs> they, were, they were bitching about the food, which granted, like, it did look a little like Firefest, but it was out of context. It looked fine. Yeah. Their first 48 hours, they were in a quarantine, like, until they got their test results back. Right. So they only could give them packaged food. Now that they're fully practicing and, you know, about to participate fully, you'll see nicer food. Yeah, they can go down to the banquet halls and get shit, I'm sure. Yeah. What I thought was pretty funny, and did you ever go on like a high school field trip or something? I think you went to Europe uh, a couple of times with high school, but I would go to like Philly and Quebec and Montreal and stuff. And 
the rule for our high school was that they had to put uh, basically it was like a curfew, right? So 10 PM or 11 PM or whatever it was, there was no leaving your hotel room for any reason. Um, and they would hire like a professional security guard, like a private security guard to stand out in the hallway and look for kids leaving those rooms. And in case the security guard wasn't there for whatever reason, if they went to the bathroom or something like that, they put a little piece of duct tape. Yeah. Right in the door. I was just going to say the duct tape. And I'm like, <laughs> and that's going to that... be so funny watch, like hearing J.R. Smith like <laughs> open his door and the duct tape ripped and he's not going to be able to figure out like, oh shit, they put tape over my door. Right. Like he gets detention and he has to like sit out a game. Imagine if someone tells uh, J.R. Smith that he has to sit out a game because he left his room after 11 p.m. Like, I think this is so funny. And the bottom line is this can't go on. This can't go on forever. Like, there's going to be enough people that bitch about it. And I think, let me be fair, I, I'd say 80% of these guys get it, right? 80% of these guys, this is rounding, you know, pretty conservatively, right? 80% of them are all on board. They understand, you know, if they want to play basketball, there's going to be a price to pay. But those 20%, you bet your ass they are going to raise hell over all of this. Some I think it's chick, going to be funny. Some chick already it. got invited to the bubble. Uh, yeah, that's Blue another on one. On Twitter, this random girl who I guess is an NBA groupie was just like, <laughs> yo, cop that first invite to the bubble. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, Stephen A. Smith brought it up on his show. He's like, that's why the guys wanted to be in Vegas. They don't want to be in a fucking a family vacation spot in Orlando. There's worse places to be for these guys. You could be in fucking Montana. Or imagine if they played this in Milwaukee or like Vancouver. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I mean, it's a good idea in concept, and I think it can work. Obviously, these guys are going to, you know, try to make this as normal as possible and, you know, partake in some extracurriculars. They're definitely not getting drug tested. No shot. No, no shot. Way. Because what are they going to do? Pay these people to go out and take samples of their bodily fluids during a pandemic? No yeah. fucking chance. They're going to have to pay them double, first of all, which the NBA might cough up money for, but they're not bringing anything in right now. No. So. I mean, you have ideas like, you know, I think the bubble works. Uh, Fight Island UFC just happened, which we'll talk about later in the show. That's another, you know, isolated area. What I don't think going to be – I, what I don't think is going to work, which breaks my heart, is baseball. And <sighs> that transitions to our next point. Um, obviously, we are big Yankee fans, and Araldis Chapman and some staffers were just tested positive for COVID. And they do test every day, I guess. And he was fine. He was fine. And then Thursday, got tested positive. So immediately, he has to self-isolate. I mean, the season's right around the corner, all of these things. But it's like, all right, how many people did he – how many people are going to be impacted from that now? I mean, if he was in the dugout and at the stadium and working out with everybody and the players not aren't really wearing masks, you have guys like Mike Ford and Clint Frazier who said they're going to wear masks. But I was watching the inner squad games. They're not really wearing shit. And they shouldn't have to. I mean, they're – if they're isolated with the team itself, like, you know, they're not, they shouldn't have to, I guess. And if they're not tested positive, but you have a guy like Garrett Cole who just had a baby. Like yep. now he's probably mm -hmm. paranoid as fuck. I mean, he still threw a hell of a game for the inner squad game, but still, 
Um, yeah, I think it, your point's right. I think he's a shitty example just because he's a fucking gamer, right? Because he's yeah. not. There's nothing stopping him but getting still, on the field. Though, but you I have mean, all these guys with families. You're right, and they're and who who wouldn't be paranoid? I'm not going to blame Chapman for it. I mean, if he's getting tested negative right. and then the positive test comes up, like obviously there's a flaw in the testing, but it just with the team already got hit with DJ LeMayo and Luis Sessa. Now Chapman, those are two big names where it's like, you only have 60 games. Like what the fuck are we going to do? I mean, it's just the whole next man up mentality. And, you know, Tyler Wade's going to get some reps at second and Britain will become the closer and everyone moves up. But like, if this is happening now, what the hell is going to be happening when they're traveling to different stadiums and staying in hotels? Yeah. And something that I dug up today, uh, courtesy of ESPN here. So they have tested everyone that has stepped foot on the baseball field um, nationwide this year so far since they've been back, um, which I don't know how many tests that is, but it's a shit ton. And they've done it multiple times, right? So you figure, I'm not even going to do the math. That's a lot. I mean, think about it. If what's everyone's personnel, say if it's been 60, yeah. right? It's been 60 for these practices. Yeah. And then you add another, what, 20 staff members, something like that. I'll just round it up to a hundred between yeah. everybody. That's, yeah. Between the writers and all that stuff. It's 3,200 people. Mm-hmm. So 3,200 people, you got to think they've been probably each been tested at least twice. So even rounded up to 7,000 tests. So they've made 47 positive tests public. We don't know. There could be some others that uh, are there, but 47 players or staff members have been confirmed openly tested positive so far. Which is a low number in it is in retrospect. Right. So they've been doing it for two weeks now. A good two weeks they've been at camp. Um, six, only six of these guys have been cleared to rejoin the teams. And that's because a lot of the guys got tested this week and were positive this week. Um, some of them just, you know, are still recovering. They're getting better, even if they're asymptomatic. I mean, granted, um, we're only 12 days into this restart. Or not even. Yeah, they exactly. started it's what they started. Weeks. Yeah. Was it July 1st? July 1st, yeah. yeah. So by the time this episode comes out, it'll almost, it, it'll basically have been two weeks um, with the stragglers like coming in beforehand and all that stuff. So this is weird. I mean, you think about the toll that it's already taken on the game. You've got plenty of people that have said they're not playing this year at all. You have a David couple Price, guys in the Nationals. Right. Yeah, Felix, have, yep. uh, Zimmerman, Buster yeah, Posey. Joe Ross, yeah. uh, Buster Posey just adopted a couple of kids, you know, and why the fuck would he want to play? I, I understand that. He's got a family to raise in a pandemic. He doesn't want to put himself more at risk, and I get it. It's already taken the toll on the game for sure. I think everyone was just so quick to say baseball, 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 whatever way, shape, or form. We talked about that with Hubs. Back uh, on episode four in April, it was, you know, if you don't want baseball back, then fuck off. And I still will die on that hill for sure. But you have to also realize that there's going to be some significant consequences of that, which is the players dropping out, which is the threat of no season, um, which is another topic too. I mean, is if this goes on and more guys, let's say that doubles by the time, you know, another two weeks when we're scheduled to start the season and it's 100 people, did they freak out and say, we don't know if we can do this season or do they just let it ride? I, I don't know what the answer is. It's such a scary time for baseball. And again, this whole thing was unpredictable and no one knew it, but I feel like other teams are handling it better. First off, you're canceling all the minor league seasons. That's a huge blow, Yeah, which we've already discussed. Then you have the, up, the upcoming uh, 
what is it, the player's agreement? Yeah, the, um, the CBA, the collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, when does that expire? 2021, so next year. Then you have guys that uh, there's a lot of big name players on contract years. Like this off season was going to be a huge off season. Yeah. And if they opt out, obviously they're not getting paid and the team loses that talent, but they're hurting their stock for next season. Cause you haven't, you, you don't know what they, you know, now they're going to be out of baseball shape for almost a year. Yeah, Cause they didn't play. They have yeah. no stats for the year before. It's, I mean, it's fucking it's 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 not good for baseball I mean, I, and i'm worried yeah i'm worried for sure that this game is not going to be the same in 2022 if it's there at all it, it might be totally different it might exist in a, a very different way i'm worried i'm worried i i, I want i'm gonna put that worry aside just in the interest of 2020 we've got baseball there's a plan in place that everyone seems to be okay with it for now um, people are getting COVID, but there, there haven't been any real uh, crazy cases, I guess, since they, they've reintroduced baseball. So that, that's something to be thankful for, for sure. But this could take a turn for the worse very quickly. I mean, we're just fortunate that, like we mentioned, there's a lot of big name players that are opting out. Trout might not even play, which I, I mean, know. he's the best game. Of, he's the best player in baseball. At that but, point, when I'm forfeiting my fantasy league, that happens. I yeah. can't play. <laughs> Trout, but, I can't fucking play. But at least we know that Garrett, Garrett Cole is not going to opt out. Right. And I forgot who mentioned this online, but like we're talking about, we were just mentioning the NBA bubble. And, you know, a lot of people are opting out because of the social injustices and COVID and the bullshit going on in the bubble. You know, for a fact, LeBron gathered his guys and said, yo, this is an opportunity we're going to sweep and like make a name and win whatever we want to call this a championship. It's the same for the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees right now with the Dodgers, the best two teams in baseball. Yeah. And the Dodgers just lost David Price, who like, again, the Yankees own his number. He's still a former Cy Young and a World Series winning pitcher. Yeah. Like No slouch. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean, he, that's someone, it's like, okay, now someone has to step into that hole. And when you only have 60 games, you lose David Price for 10 of them. Um, like, I would I would argue more. I'd more. argue you lose him for between 12, 15. I'd say higher. I'd say yeah. between, yeah, 15 is a realistic number, I think. Because James and I were talking about that a couple of weeks ago in the emergency episode too. It's like, do you have guys now? And the Dodgers are a perfect example now, actually, because they're a starter down. So if you play for the Dodgers, if you're Walker Buehler or someone like that, why the fuck wouldn't you be all in Dave Roberts's ear and saying, you need to give me only three days rest. I can do it. Yeah. That's You're going to see that a lot. You, I, I wholeheartedly think you're going to see four man rotations this year, three days rest and guys either going, um, it, the bullpen's going to be interesting because maybe they'll just be like, all right, you're hot. Go, go four or five innings. All right especially in a wash of a game, they'll just be like, I don't fucking care. Burn yourself out. Get ready to pitch in two days, you know? Yeah, and it'd be interesting to see what the Yankees do because not only, I mean, luckily we do have the depth, but we're going to have to make some tough roster decisions too. I mean, Clark yeah. Schmidt and Mike King are pitching their asses off. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you have to, like, if they're hot right now, you're going to have to include them. Yeah, do you ride the hot hand? This might be hot hand. I mean, and it's fortunate, like, you know, we still have a veteran in Jay Happ and Jordan Montgomery I'd love to see pitch. And, of course, Paxton, how he's feeling after the whole back surgery. Mm. Um, I mean, I would include those guys. And even if they're long reliefs, 
Like, yeah. you know, have Clark Schmidt and Mike King do what like a Loasiaga does and just do long reliefs. Yeah. And that's another thing too. I mean, like, do you just, it, with an old vet, do you just cut his ass if he's not doing well? Cause they could, I could see Jay Happ not coming back. Just be like, All right, cool. Thanks. You did your job. We don't need you anymore. I think he stays this season, but he, he won't be a Yankee next. Oh, I think so too. But I mean, that's it, given because we also have a tough roster decision because both – oh, I also forgot Tanaka. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, Tanaka's – well, they say he's going to play after, of course, for those of you that don't know, he got hit in the head with a 112-mile-an-hour line drive from John Carlos Stanton. Apparently, structurally fine. Has a concussion. Mm-hmm. They're treating it. They don't even know if he has a concussion. They're just like, he is too well – for getting hit in the head with a liner. So we're just going to treat it as a mild concussion and see what happens. And he's been doing fine. So we it's, might see him. Thank God. I mean, that was scary. Yeah. That was scary. But like I was saying, we have two guys in Paxton and Tanaka who are free right. agents after this year, plus DJ LeMayu. Yeah. And it's like, I, I don't know. Like that, That'll love, be for, right. We, I, I want to take at some point, we're going to have to dive through all this. And I think it's probably... You know, when we get closer to um, – even when we start seeing how these guys are playing, right? If they're playing well, then, you know, I, I'm willing to talk, like, okay, what what's DJ coming back for? Three, four years? Paxton, you know, Tanaka, all these guys. I, I'd want to see I, – I would need a little bit of data to back that up about this year, right? We'll definitely follow up with this yeah. once the season commences. For sure. There's The bottom line is there's a lot of this stuff to be thinking about, though, because mm-hmm. – there's the whole health issues. There's the, if you don't play, uh, how does that affect your um, contract that you get the next year? All that stuff. There's a lot of things that we need to be worried about for baseball. Um, moving over to football, the Washington Redskins, as of today, Monday, July 13th, um at, right now actually uh, we've got some breaking brews we'll call it i'm not sure if will was sold on that but <laughs> um so breaking news the the redskins are gonna have a new name um they according to their press release i guess have not um they don't have plans to release the new name just yet but they have committed uh per the franchise we've been told to change their name so they, they had the exploratory discussions, and now they're going to say, all right, we, we've changed a name. I th- this is a long time coming. I, I, it's Decades. unfortunate. Yeah, exactly. This comes up every offseason. You know, the guys over at Barcelona Sports were calling Washington R-words, and, you know, uh, and, <laughs> and I guess, you know, um, satire of the whole situation. But it, it's long been argued over uh, the implications of the name on society and what it meant uh, to – many people in particular the native american folks you know what i'm i'm all for it if we uh anything basically that will let the owners contemplate over the future of what the name change would mean for a franchise i'm all for it and i'm glad the redskins are doing this um couple of names on the table you have the red tails the generals the presidents um, i personally liked the red tails because dwayne haskins actually brought that up uh the red tails were the tuskegee airmen and they were the black pilots that flew uh in world war ii so pretty cool i think they should go that way um and, and i guess we'll find out over the next couple of weeks what they ultimately decide to do and you bring up how like and i totally agree i i like the red tails i think that's a good tie-in with history um well-deserved group to 
be recognized for that as well. But you bring up the point of like, oh, you know, we're glad the owners are finally doing it. They weren't unless they were, they were getting like, if they didn't get heat in the past couple of weeks, they were not going to change it. I mean, yeah, all their major way. advertisers thrown into back of their deals, FedEx, um, wanted to change the name of the stadium and they just signed a $200 million deal to name the stadium. Mm -hmm. Um, Nike took off all of their gear from the website. So they were, they were pretty much fucked. Yeah. they were. Um, And we talked about that this week too. It's like Nike just pulled everything off the website because they don't want part of it. And it's one of those things that I don't know how this name ever got backed up. I mean, it's literally a derogatory term for native Americans so why that was, you know, it lasted this long is crazy. But the, on the contrary, it's like now with everything going on in the country, a lot of things, you know, between statues and names of buildings and street signs are getting changed. And they should if, you know, things are inappropriate and we shouldn't be recognizing them. But when is the cancel culture going to start reaching other sports teams' names? Yeah. You know, you have the Redskins, which is an obvious one. You know, they're coming after the Indians and the Braves and the Warriors and stuff like that, which is fine, you know, here and there. But when are they going to start coming after the New England Patriots, the Notre Dame yeah. Fighting Irish, um, all of these things? And uh, Francis over at Bro Bible, former um, Barstool employee, he wrote a blog about different team names that were going to get changed. And this was obviously all in satire and joke, but he's like, the year is 2025. And the San Diego, the Los Angeles Chargers um, are removing the Chargers from the name because there's no such thing as phone Chargers because the simulation canceled them or something <laughs> shit like that. Like, but it is crazy. I mean, like the Patriots, I mean, if you're really going to like dig back into history, it's like, oh, they were all um, white, you know, white rebels, white straight male rebels. And like, obviously that's not, you know, something that's being appropriate right now with a 1700 history. So it'll be uh, something very interesting to keep an eye out on. Yeah. What about, um, well, it hates me to say this coming out of my mouth. What about the Yankees? Yeah. You know, could a Yankee and obviously the term Yankee meant uh, just an American, uh, typically someone from the North. Right. Um, but when do people start digging into it and find out that that went deeper and that that was, that, that the term Yankee was founded on, on, roots that um were oppressive or anything like that and i'm not saying you know arguing one way or another like that's good or bad but um i it, you'll see this happen in a bit in, in years to come you're gonna see people digging in a little bit more and saying okay what were these teams really founded on people are people are trying to attack the providence friars yeah he's like the dominican friars they did not want to be have that name associated and stuff it's like they're a dominican catholic school Run by friars. Right. But you go down this road and you talk about like Catholicism in general too, right? And you, this could go on forever, right? You go on culture um, from years ago and you, you find these little oppressive things that, um, that our society was founded on. So, I mean, I, I'm, and I'm not in any position to say that something is good or bad for the sport. Like, oh, I'm not going to come out and say, you know, all these sports names need to be changed, but the point basically is don't be surprised if this happens elsewhere. Right? Mm-hmm. If this comes into hockey and baseball and, um, and, you know, basketball, just keep your eyes out and 
listen to just listen to the opinions on it before you go out and say you know this is good or this is bad you know um that's my two cents but mm-hmm. should be interesting I, I'm, I'm excited for uh what new um logo they're going to use and um what mascot they'll use the, the redskins that is um yeah, the Red Tails would be really cool. I would certainly buy some merch. That sounds like an awesome logo, and I will be looking forward to it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, for sure. Fight Island and UFC, uh, that'll be pretty much the last thing we have for balls today. Um, this was a, a pretty good fight on Saturday. Uh, Kamaru Usman, they call him the Nigerian Nightmare. Um, he knocked off Jorge Masvidal. He was the number three-ranked contender in the welterweight division. Um, I was doing a little research, and for full disclosure, uh, again, I did not watch this fight. This is the second of two UFC fights that I did not watch, but I'm here reviewing, of course. Um, So if you want UFC news, folks, go elsewhere for it. Uh, The in-depth analysis, anyway. But interesting stuff, because the person that was supposed to fight Usman for the title was... um, believe that was Gilbert Burns. Yep. So Gilbert Burns was supposed to fight him and then he had COVID-19 and he got uh, positively tested on July 3rd with his coach. So they were like, Oh shit, the fight's in a week and we don't have anyone. And then Jorge Masvidal, who's the number three guy stepped up and was like, I'll, I'll fight him. So they tested him a few times and he went over to fight Island, fight Island, another really cool concept in Abu Dhabi. Basically everyone was locked up. Um, they didn't really have any contact with the outside world except to train. And um, overall, I mean, you guys should watch the highlights of this fight. Phenomenal display by Usman, who is the, the welterweight champion as of right now. He beat the shit out of Masvidal. He killed him. And it went to decision, too. I think there were a lot of people calling uh, for the refs to, to end the fight, pretty much. But... Um, they just let him go. Masvidal came out pretty aggressive. He was landing some punches, but overall, Usman was the guy um, in this fight. So, I mean, you look at Fight Island backing up here, and if they keep doing this, if they keep sending guys out to Abu Dhabi to fight each other, do we have potential for COVID flares there? Because I don't really think it's the same – foot traffic as you have in basketball and ultimately in football down the road and now baseball now. So you could see some COVID flares. I mean, you saw it right there. Gilbert Burns had COVID. The guy that was supposed to fight Usman had coronavirus. So this is another one you, you need to keep your eyes on, I think is basically the point. Yeah. I mean, I heard it was a interesting fight overall. Um, I mean, again, I don't necessarily watch UFC fights. I do respect the game and I respect the athletes. Um, I didn't watch this fight, but I followed up afterwards because I knew we were going to touch upon it, touch upon it rather. And um, I mean, shout out to Dana White for actually, you know, creating a wild concept that was successful. Um, I mean, it's still a lot of people bought the fight and it was blowing up on Twitter. So I enjoy, I mean, I enjoy that stuff, uh, being able to see that sports leaders are, you know, creating new ideas during this crazy time. He can give a page of his book to um, Manfred, you know, because yeah, that, I mean, that guy doesn't this. know shit. Yeah, you don't have to tell me twice. Um, I'm reading right from Wikipedia here. 
and it says basically a 10 mile or 10 square mile safety zone on the island restricted to just people that are essential so they designated an area off and it's got hotels restaurants and a training cage on the beach which is pretty dope um the fights were in the Flash Forum, they call it. It's an indoor events arena. Uh, no communal areas. Those entering the site must go through mist tunnels to disinfect themselves for surface bacteria. Um, pretty cool stuff. It said without fans in attendance, too, they, they didn't have to worry about the local timing. So they just started at 6 a.m. Abu Dhabi time <laughs> and rolled through it. So that's got to be really weird. I think for the fans, obviously, you have to do what's going to work best for east coast in america that you know to make the money you have to have mm -hmm. to fight then but isn't that so weird as an american you're going to fight or not necessarily as an american but um someone who trains and fights in america right and you go um to abu dhabi and you have to fight at 6 a.m that kind of sucks <laughs> like aren't they rattled from that i mean yeah their whole i mean every athlete has their own preparation process i mean that you have to probably go to bed like the day before at like yeah two three four oh, p.m wake yeah. up at like midnight and start your whole warm-up process yeah that's weird that is weird it's so weird yeah 6 a.m um oh wait shit it was the full preliminary card began at 2 a.m and the main event was at six that's crazy that that puts it so maybe you can go on with your day and just wake up a little early you know or wake up late, I guess. Yeah. yeah, you just wake up late. So you wake up at like, I don't know, like 2, 3 p.m.? I don't fucking know. I, I, don't, I don't train. I like to fight <laughs> in people. I, I have no idea. Um, but that, that's cool. I think they're going to do more of that uh, because they have good relationships uh, with Dana White and the, uh, the United Arab Emirates government now. So should see more of this, which I'm excited about. And I think that's all we have for balls or UFC, I guess we'll call them kicks too. Um, I don't know if you had anything else for the sports world that you wanted to bring up. I think we covered everything. Yeah. I mean, before we get into positivity corner, uh, I just wanted to bring up this one point that is blowing my mind that literally broke my mind is these videos of cake. <laughs> like I'm getting stuck in rabbit holes watching is this cake or not cake? And people just cutting into these things that look like ordinary items and they're cake. I'm going to say this right now. If anyone listening is like consciously at this point, listening to this podcast, send us whatever the hell you want. We'll give you the address. If you DM us, send us whatever the hell you want. And we'll make a video of us cutting into it to see if it's cake. We got your back. If you don't think something's real in your house and you want us to find out, well, just send it to us. We'll take care of you. It's breaking my mind. <laughs> like if you, if your salt shaker looks off, if you're worried about a cat or your, your brother, we're here. This we'll is call just a, way, we'll this call is, up Wayfair to ship it, but this is just a simulation. Yeah. We'll, we'll call up Wayfair, Wayfair to ship someone's brother. They, they know what they're doing too soon <laughs> let's close it off with positivity corner <laughs> it's needed for sure two things real quick both are actually covid related I, we didn't start positivity corner to talk about coronavirus we talked about it to get away from it but since we're moving out of the, the isolation and most states are in phase three now um really cool story on politico by um who was a gentleman it was michael grunwald um, about 
our governor, Gina Raimondo, uh, Rhode Island, people will have her, their opinions about her. The lifelong Rhode Islanders don't necessarily like her um, just because they have the, an infatuation with hating people from government. Uh, I get it, but um, really cool piece on how this, the title's called How the Smallest State Engineered a Big COVID Comeback. Um, I learned a lot about Gina Raimondo from this. Um, basically, you look at Rhode Island now, it's open for business pretty much, right? I can walk out of my door. Uh, it's 11 p.m. right now, so I'm not going to be able to do any of this. But um, if I walked out of my door, I could go to the beach. I could go to a restaurant. I could go to a movie, um, some concerts with 125 spectators. Um, and the death rates are taking a massive tumble. The new cases are going way down in Rhode Island, too. Um, and that's because Gina Romano didn't rely on any of the uh, – the you know the federal government programs or anything or the state money she went out and she called up the resources we have here in Rhode Island she called up CVS she called up Salesforce she called up a bunch of people um, really gassed up the private sector and was able to accomplish a lot of big things so CVS basically I can walk into any CVS in Rhode Island and get a COVID test ASAP pretty much um, I can uh, instantly basically know who I came in contact with if I had coronavirus thanks to the uh, technological advancements here in Rhode Island, thanks to Salesforce, thanks to uh, a lot of different things. So the bottom line is that this piece about Gina um, really has shed some light into how she managed during a crisis. And I don't know, we, we haven't seen the last of her for sure. I think um, she will, whether you like it or not, be running for some kind of office at some point. She's emerged as a prospective candidate for Biden's VP too. I don't think that's going to happen, but this is cool stuff. Um, and then the coronavirus realm too, New York didn't have any deaths today. So the Northeast is kicking ass for sure. Um, I'm very happy for what this means for the nation. I hope that Texas and Arizona gets their shit together so we can have some kind of normalcy and so we can put some asses in the stands at football games this year. And then hopefully baseball too, because these baseball winners are saying they're going to sell tickets. So this is going to be a good time. And, you know, I, I'm excited for the next couple of months for sure. We can get on with our lives. Exactly. Exactly. But nuts. Um, that's really all we have for you this week. Uh, Will's been kicking ass writing because he's been, you know, shot behind the voice. I'm making excuses for myself. I need to get my shit together. Um, Will's got some cool pieces, uh, building a Madden juggernaut franchise and also some predictions on, uh, which quarterback's going to get paid next to just to name a few of them. Uh, as far as my personal life goes, I'm playing in an MLB, the show tournament later this evening. I'm going to get fucking smoked, but thanks to the folks over at Botball, I'm at least going to have a shot to flex the diamond dynasty muscle. So some fun things coming up in the pipeline for sure. Uh, any closing thoughts before we send these listeners on their way? Wear a mask. Get a good night's sleep, and we'll see you next week. I love that. Twitter, the underscore BBB underscore podcast. Instagram is the dot BBB dot podcast. We have, we'll have a guest next week on episode 14. We are not sure who we're working out a couple of different things, but it will be a good guest. We're not going to waste your time for sure, uh, per usual. And as uh, usual, let us know what you think. Comment on our Instagram, DM us, rate us on Spotify, all that good stuff. 
Thanks for listening to episode 13 of Beers, Business, and Balls. As always, that's Will. I'm Jake. So long, folks. Take it easy. Mm-hmm.